Welcome to WWDMD, a podcast that is all about peeling back the curtain on what clinicians really think and feel as they work with others. My guests, clinicians, who are also sometimes clients themselves, risk their vulnerability as they publicly share their emotional reactions to their clients, disclose their challenges in doing the work, and reveal their personal backgrounds. I'm Dr. Myers. I'm a psychotherapist in New York City with 30 years of practice experience, special in anxiety and depressive disorders, as well as sibling relationships and family systems. I'm also a professor of social work at Malloy University on Long Island. I see this as a journey of self-reflection for not only our guests, but you, because with each episode, I'm hopeful that you will learn something new about yourself. Please note that any discussion of case details have been modified to protect the privacy of our clients. What would Dr. Myers do? Hi, all. Welcome to WWDMD. Dr. Myers here. Today, I'm with three Malloy University Bachelor of Social Work students, Christian DeConcilio, Alba Torres, and Jane McCabe. And I'm actually pretty excited because they were my students last year, and we had some pretty stimulating conversations in the classroom that I thought would make for a good episode. So we're going to talk about managing our desire to set our clients straight. And what I mean by that is sharing with clients our truths of who we are when they challenge our ability to work with them or understand them due to our age, our skin color, lack of experience, or whatever their perception of us happens to be. How do we manage that? How do we tolerate that? Because like our clients, we all want to be seen for who we are. So Christian is going to start us off with his desire to set the record straight. Christian? Say someone asked me, you know, where did I go to school? And I said, oh, you know, I I went to Malloy University. And they said, you know, something along the lines of that must be nice or, you know, something like that. And I explored that with them and said, like, what did you really mean by that must be nice? Well, it must be nice that you can... You know, you were able to afford that or whatever. And then what if I said, how did you know I wasn't awarded scholarships? How do you know I didn't work full-time and pay for my education? And the client said, because you're white. Okay. So they're assuming that you have privilege just by the nature of your existence as a white and maybe male, as a white male in this world. So this was coming from someone who was of a different race, I'm assuming. Yes. And which race was that? African-American. And a different economic class? They thought they were a different economic class, yes. But not, but not that you, not. And you're saying you wanted to let them know that your path has not always been easy, right? Yes. And that you had help and opportunities and access that made it easier for you to access an education at a private college or university, correct? Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay, okay. So... I'm just wondering before I go into how it might, it could have been handled or why you handled it that way, if there's any response from your peers here, Jane and Alba, as to managing it in the way that you did or if they would have handled it in a different way. I mean, I have like, I, like what you can say is just like how to say it. Like even maybe saying like, yeah, I was very lucky to be able to go there due to scholarships or something along those lines that's not 
very like actually, you know, like in a defensive manner, but just in a nice way, letting them know I didn't, I didn't have a full ride because sometimes that could be just like assumed or like, you know, my parents paid for it or whatever. Well, my thought is in response to that, yes, I picked up on, on the defensiveness as well, right? This feeling that you wanted to let that person know that you've had struggle too. But I'm wondering, let me ask you, what was the message that you were implying in that? Why did you want to share your experience? First and foremost, I wanted the client to understand that, like, I'm there for them no matter what. And I thought by kind of, like, defending my academic experience and my, like, income status, like, that would show the client that I was there for them. How so? In a way. How does it show that you're there for them? I mean, I could see it trying to show that you get them, that, you know, you haven't had such easy access, even though— I think it was more that I get them, not that I'm there for them. That you get them. Yes. That you, too, have struggled. Do you think that you struggled in the same way as an African-American uh, at the same income level as you? Economically, yes, uh, being, you know, I'm not very wealthy or well-off or whatever, but no, I have, do not know what it is like to experience what, you know, a lot of African-Americans unfortunately experience. Right, which is a lot less privilege and a lot less access and a lot less opportunity. A lot more judgment, a lot more profiling. So is it possible that in your explanation to them or disclosure about your situation that you could actually be undermining their overall uh, life experience, really not just with college, but perhaps with college, but that there's a greater picture there for them? Absolutely. And I think I wasn't thinking of that when I had the response that I had because I was just so kind of in like a shock and awe state because I had never experienced that before. So that's great reflection, right? And that's why it's so important to reflect on our work so that we can say what could have been done differently. Where was I? How can I be attuned to that the next time? We can learn from our mistakes, right? This is the way to do it through processing it. So it's great that you had that experience. So now pulling back and and being able to reflect on it, might you address it in another way? Oh, definitely. Yeah, what would you do? I did throughout asking questions, what what make this person think in that way, so clarify certain things, but at the same time, you think, how do you avoid to get into this play kind of game, like question, answer, question, answer, like, okay, do you have, okay, I, I have financial aid, or, or I have to work uh, full time, or they don't know, how do you get your money to pay the tuition, or to pay, to pay the, the your college studios, but it's tough. I think you could also look at it like, say if you did come from a wealthy family and your parents paid for it or you didn't have to worry about it, does that really matter in the sense of, I think it matters if you were to kind of like throw that in their face, but I think if you were coming from that standpoint, but you showed them like you're very thankful for it, you realize that you have it and you're not using it in a negative way, I think that's also important. Because when you come down to it, again, like what we talked about before, like that doesn't prohibit you from helping your client. You know what I mean? Like you may want them to understand you or you understand them, but at the end of the day, like you're there to help them. And like that won't prohibit any of that from happening. So I think that that's a very common beginner 
focus is wanting to set your clients straight in the sense of getting them to see your reality and not wanting them to have a misconception or misperception of you. But isn't our work really to understand the client's experience of things, of life? And so I would suggest, and tell me how this sits with you, to explore with that client what makes them think that way. Simple as that, because they really don't have any evidence, right? And they made an assumption. But isn't the assumption coming from their life experience, the skin that they've moved through this life in, the way that they've had to navigate, the obstacles that they may have had, the experiences that they've had? This is their construct. And it's not really up to me, or in this case you, to correct their perception. It's to understand and learn more about it. And by asking them a question, it's really not about this is about you, not about me. It's by asking them the question, I get to learn more about how you came to this idea. Then at some point, and maybe it's further down the line, I'll I'll give you my truth, whatever that might be. If the truth is the truth that, you know, I, I did have luxuries that you didn't have, that's validating in a way because... Your perception of access is actually correct. If you didn't have, then maybe there are no major generalizations that each person is an individual and we don't want to assume that just because you're white, you've had certain advantages. You've definitely had certain advantages, but maybe not in this arena, particularly in regard to education right? Maybe not in that arena. And so maybe at some point you would use that self-disclosure to show the client that there's all different scenarios. But first, his experience needs to be validated of how he sees the world. And we want to understand more about that. Does that make sense? So what do you think would have happened if you said to him, what makes you think that? Christian's shrugging his shoulders. He's not sure what would have happened. I think it would open the floor. Mm-hmm. And I think he's validating his, this person question, this person ideas. So I would post a question to you and, and, and to all of you, because I think we carry this in very different ways. What's it like when somebody perceives you incorrectly? I mean, it doesn't feel very good, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But I think acknowledging that maybe that person has also been perceived incorrectly more often than you have plays a part in it and probably doesn't feel too good either. And trying to like, again, you always say like use words and like your empathy and tone and whatever to like show the client somehow that you are there and that you do understand. And yeah. Absolutely. So the really hard part is sitting with the discomfort of not correcting somebody's perception of you and understanding that people are always perceiving you, not always, I don't know about that, but are are largely perceiving you through their own lens until you show them something else that might shift their perspective. But it doesn't mean I can tell you when first meeting you that, you know what, no, I'm not intimidating. And I'm using that as an example because I've heard from many a student that you're so intimidating and it really bothers me because I don't want to come across as intimidating and I don't see myself that 
that way. And if anybody would get into my head and know the issues that I struggle with and the challenges that I have, you would never probably believe it, perhaps based on how I project myself. So because I really don't like the idea that I could intimidate somebody, that's not how I want to come across. I'm often really, as I just said, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but bothered by that. And I now realize that it's only through time and interaction with me that hopefully your perspective will change, right? But I can't just tell you, well, don't be intimidated. That doesn't really work. So it's the same, I think, parallel in a bit to, to what you're saying is it's sitting with the discomfort that somebody else is might be seeing you in a way that you don't want to be represented. Definitely. Yeah, not easy. This is why the work is tough. One of the one of the many reasons why this work is tough is we have to always kind of be under the lens or the microscope, so to speak, uh, you know, ourselves in order to be able to truly best benefit the clients that we work with. Yes, and I think it is important to build a uh, relationship, a good relationship with the client, and maybe, probably this person is going to change their perspective about us. So talking about my own experience, one of my questions is, how can we deal with someone or how can we handle the situation when someone comes to us? And for example, in my case, uh, according to my experience, that I, once I had a classmate in another school where uh, we were assigned to work together in our classroom project and she was clear and she talks to my she talked to my professor to our professor and she says I don't want to work with Alba because she has a thick accent she has an accent so I don't want to talk to her in that moment I felt terrible terrible to the point that I left the classroom I went to my car I jumped into my car and the only thing that I did was cry because I I didn't know what to do however I didn't have any experience. I didn't have any knowledge about social work and how to handle people's emotions. But one of my questions is, what happens if we find this kind of client that they have the, their own prejudice? They don't want to talk with a black person or to a Latino person or to a, simply a person with a, an accent. So that was tough for me, you know, even though we, I tried to build a good relationship with her, which I did, and we became very good friends after, after all. But how can we move this situation to, the, to, to our situation as social workers and mm, clients? I love that example. Do, do you, Jane or Christian, have a sense of what can be done when that's brought into the social worker-client relationship? Somebody meets you, you're saying, for the first time, perhaps, and hears the way you speak and says, I don't think I can work with you. Or you're saying because of the color of your skin, right? I don't think that I can work with you. Or my assumption about where you're from, I don't want to work with you. I feel like it's obviously not a very professional answer, but to just be like, okay, like you don't want to work with me. That's, you know, that's your choice. Because at that point, it's kind of like, in my mind, what can you say? Like, I'm not going to beg you to want to work with me. Like, you're here to get help. It shouldn't be, like, flip-flopping that now, like, I'm the pro- Not that they're a problem, but, like, now I'm the one who has a problem just because of my ethnicity or the color of my skin. 
So that would be my response. I don't know how professional that is to say. That's your gut instinct. That's okay, right? Yeah. And again, that's why you're a beginner. It's, yes. It's, uh, you're working this stuff out. Yeah. Kristen, do you want to say anything before I jump in? Yeah, I've had that a lot with age. People asking, can I work with someone older? And I've always done this, and it's worked. And I've, it'll probably not work for long, but I've always been like, well, I'm actually approaching 30. Because I am. And they're always just like, oh, and that completely changes their opinion. Mm-hmm. 100%. Because they assume that you were younger than that? Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that's, again, self-disclosing, yeah. right? And like, mm-hmm. but I say it in like a joking manner. Right, too, which right. I guess helps. But. Okay, <clears throat> let's, let's, let's come back to the age issue. I like that one. Um, Jane, you're saying it's their priority in a sense. I think that's what you're saying, or I'm going to spin it a little bit, that mm-hmm. it's their priority to not have to work with whoever they don't want to work with. Yes, but I think it's. Oh, you want to clarify? I but the, like, I'm all for like if you're a client, patient, whatever you have rights. However, what is the basis of you saying you don't want to work with them, like because they're qualified, regardless of the color of their skin? So for me, it's like your basic like your reasoning doesn't really matter to me because you could have a white social worker work with you and you guys not connect or not work together, but because of your biases, you're not open to doing any working with anybody else. So you're closing yourself off at that point. Yes. I love it. You as the client, you're closing yourself off. Again, why not ask the question? What makes you not want to work with me? Because it would piss me off. Like if someone, if I was someone who had different color skin than I have and they said that to me, I would be like, okay, well, I know my skills. I know I can work with you. But if you don't want to work with me, that's fine. Okay. so Which I know again, is wrong. <laughs> that's okay. Okay. But we know well, we, what I hear is the defensiveness coming up again, mm-hmm. right? You don't want me. I don't want you, right? I don't want to have to prove myself to you. The color of my skin doesn't dictate mm-hmm. who I am or how I will be with you mm-hmm. or whatever it is about me. My mm-hmm. age doesn't dictate, right? There's assumptions that are being made. Mm-hmm. But if we step back and understand it, that these are assumptions are based on how this person has moved through the world and what their experiences have been like, that they are projecting onto you. Mm-hmm. Can we then kind of move back and depersonalize it so that we are able to be curious about more about the whys mm-hmm. rather than shutting ourselves off that right now I'm turned off to the client, mm-hmm. which again, I, underst- I understand that feeling. I've had that too, not necessarily for my race, but for other issues, right? The assumptions that are being made about me. But now, right, as I became a little more seasoned, I'm really curious. And that's one such an important piece of this work is you better be curious about other people and what mm-hmm. makes them tick, right? And why they are the way they are, why they think the way they do, why they feel the way they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's about managing your own irritation or, you know, instinctual response to it and stepping back and maybe getting more in touch with the intellectual side since the emotional side is too raw right now and saying, well, what can this tell me about this person? Mm-hmm. Can yeah. you see that potentially? No, unfolding? yeah, I can. Good. I think it would just take some practice, maybe being in this situation. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Yes. And I think try to like Dr. Myers mentioned earlier, like try to get if this, what is the reason why this person doesn't want to work with me, maybe uh, based on her experience with the happened with my friend. She had very bad experience with someone who had a similar accent. So after 
and month, she told me her experience and she apologized for her behavior. But maybe we can get into the, the person's feeling and we can understand why this person is behaving in that way. Absolutely, right? And we have to also be mindful of what's our stuff, right? About being told that you're less than or that you don't match up or that, you know, you're not going to be competent in doing what you're doing. And what is that triggering in me? Does that make sense? So I also want to talk about this idea of a corrective emotional experience. Imagine if your willingness to continue despite the client's projection onto you and showing them over time that you actually are competent despite your race, despite your age, might not that change their entire perspective about white people or about young clinicians, right? Or about somebody of Hispanic background to show them and to actually earn their trust and respect will arm them with the ability now to go back out there. And I say out there because oftentimes what happens in the clinical relationship is a repetition of what's happening out there. So we learn from that and how this person moves through life, but we also have the ability to shift that based on our relationship to them and how we respond to them. So let's go back to this idea of being young, right? Now, all of you, and this has come up in the classroom so many times, most of you are traditional college age, not all of you, but so that age is usually around 21 or 22, right? And now you're going out into the field, not having a whole lot of life experience, dealing with people who might be in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond. And, they're, and, the, and the fear is that they're looking at you like, what can you possibly offer me? So how do we manage that? Christian chooses to tell his age to hopefully counter the idea that he's inexperienced. Might there be other ways of addressing that? If we go back to this concept of exploration. Dr. Mars, I'm also wondering, you said this already too, but like, what if you just simply said, like, I understand that, and, but let's just see how it goes. And then through working with the client over time, as you just mentioned, they were like, oh my God, like, not I was so wrong. I don't want to say that. <laughs> but like, oh, wow, you know, like you are competent. Right. There's nothing wrong with saying you were so wrong, right? Yeah. And then maybe they can say, wow, I was so wrong. I would definitely agree with that, that way of, of addressing it. Yeah, even saying like, like, give me a chance. You know, why not give me a chance? And let's see. Well, let's check in in, in two more meetings. Uh, let's check in in, you know, five weeks. What, whatever you want to give and see if they're willing to, to go with that, right? But if we... Again, I'm going to bring you back to the idea of exploration. Explore with them. What might be the approach to try and, so to speak, reel them in, right? And I don't mean in a deceptive way. I just mean getting them to try you out. Just like saying, why, does, why do you think my age bothers you mm-hmm. or brings up these feelings? for you. Excellent. What about my age, mm-hmm. right? Because the why can sound accusatory, but oh, yes, yeah, yeah. you're on the same, mm-hmm. on the right page, definitely. What about my age, right? Or what are your concerns? Mm-hmm. What do you think it's going to be like to work with me? So that's the exploratory piece. Then you can do kind of an informational piece, right? Which is, I know I'm still learning. I know I'm young, but I want to learn about you from you. 
So I see, I think it's a matter of, again, experience. It's funny. They want us to have experience, and we do need to gain experience. But they're going to help you through that, right? And the more that you feel confident about what you're doing, the more they're going to feel confident in you. If you present yourselves as anxious beginners— which is really hard not to do because that's exactly what you are, anxious beginners, right? But if you present yourself as simply wanting to help them, wanting to hear them, wanting to learn from them, then you will instill confidence in them. And these apprehensions are, are going to be dispelled, as you said, Christian, like, right, and show them and hopefully they come and say, wow, I never thought that we would actually be able to build this relationship. Or maybe they won't say it, but they keep coming back. So you're going to have to learn how to take credit for it or be aware of it without them necessarily appreciating you outwardly. But no, the fact that they keep coming back, that's, that's success. Is there anything else that you've either been stuck with or anticipate being stuck with? I've had kind of similar experience to Christian, just in my family, because I come from a family who, they all have jobs that are very well-respected. Not saying that social work isn't well-respected, but it's like jobs that are known to be high-paying. And then when I told them where I wanted to work, which was jails, there was a conversation of like, well, you're a skinny white girl, so you're going to get like murdered. And I was like, okay, but does that really matter when it comes down to like whether or not I want to help them or not? You know, like- Does the, you getting murdered matter? <laughs> not me getting murdered, but like, does my appearance really matter? Uh-huh. But then it made me think like, okay, say if that is where my future is going or my client's going to feel like that. Like if I walk into the room and they're like, oh God, like she's not going to be able to help me, you know? Cause there is that, I do look like that, like, you, you know, but it's stuff I can't, I can't change. Absolutely. You know? so, and I can guarantee you they are going to feel like that. Yeah, which I would, I would understand if I was in their shoes as well. Well, great. So how can you use that? You already understand going yeah. in, right? How can you use that? I think just what we've been saying, like asking, like exploring with them, like what about my appearance? Or if they do use that terminology, like bothers you. Or what, does it make you feel like I can't help you? Mm-hmm. We have been talking about that. But mm-hmm. in this scenario, I would say that they are correct. Mm-hmm. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. <laughs> They're not wrong. <laughs> and, and you can validate that. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example that I think that you can apply You know, when you start to work with this population. Mm-hmm. Soon after I graduated, I was working in the family justice system, and I was working with post-incarcerated men. And I would say 98% of them were Mm African-American. So here's this young white girl coming in, running a group with them to talk about how to kind of uh, get their feet back on the ground right after incarceration. And I remember one time somebody said to me, so they confronted me with what would you know about anything that we're going through? What are you from, Connecticut? Mm -hmm. And I could have taken that in many different directions. As Christian said, I could easily say, uh, no, I'm not from Connecticut. Actually, I was raised in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. What what would that do, right? Okay, that would mean that I was exposed to different races and ethnicities and different income levels. It still doesn't get me in the position of understanding what Mm -hmm. these men have gone through, right? So I actually said, you're right. Mm -hmm. Tell me. Mm -hmm. 
Like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do I mean? Yeah. I, you're right. I don't understand. Yeah. I want you to tell me. Oh, okay. Right? So that I can learn from you. Yeah. And I don't mean learn like, like listen, and then they feel like, oh, listen, I'm not in the, in the position to educate you. It's mm-hmm. more the sense of if you tell me, I will learn you. I want to learn you and your experience. Mm-hmm. And we can apply that to so many situations when somebody challenges you and says, what do you know? Or you don't know what I've been through. You're right. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. Even if I have been through it. So, like, now what comes to mind is trauma, right? Maybe I have experienced trauma. I have. I think most of us have, yeah. right? But we're never going to experience the same trauma or at least in the same way. So I would still say to somebody, you're right. Mm-hmm. Tell me. Mm-hmm. Not, well, as a matter of fact, I have experienced trauma, right? That doesn't serve the client. yeah. yeah. That comment was made by my older brothers, which I think they would prefer if I didn't want to work in this in the population. Because, you know, their older brothers, they just want to, like, they're just weird. But They want to protect you. They want to protect me. But they, I think for me, like, when they said it, I got offended. But then I also had to come to the point where, like, yeah, like, they're not wrong. But, like, I can't, I can't do anything about it. But I'm not going into where I want to work because of that. I'm going into it because I want to understand them and, like, gain their trust. And even with everybody, you got to gain their trust. Mm -hmm. But, like, I don't want that to stop me from helping people if I really have the desire to. And I say good for you, right? And all the power to you because they're few and far between people who do want to do that Mm -hmm. kind of work. And I would just say, so your heart's in the right place, and you're just going to have to learn to move from your heart to your mouth, right? Meaning you don't have to work on being empathic because you already are. Right. Mm -hmm. But how do you work on not necessarily being defensive or having to explain yourself or justify why you're there Mm -hmm. or who you are or what your skin color is? Right. But just simply validate them and learn from them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what is the key takeaway? Are we capable of changing people's perception of us? Yes. As they get to know us and how we are with them and how we relate to them. A client's perception of us or curiosity about who we are as the clinician is usually coming from a place of concern or vulnerability. And yet, I always ask, whose concern or vulnerability? Is it ours or is it the client's? Sometimes we have a tough time deciphering that. So it's a natural feeling to want to respond with an answer to a client's questions or to fight the urge to say, I do get you or to prove we understand someone's experience by sharing our own. But how many times have you been told about someone else's experience when you're in the midst of sharing your own, only to think, I don't care right now. I'm in an unhappy place. Focus on me. Clients, like all of us, when in pain, simply want to know you are in the trenches with them. And sometimes the way you look, present yourself, or are perceived has more to do with their life experiences than who you actually are, especially until you have a chance to show them otherwise. Relationships take time to build. Trust can't be experienced simply through the statement of, you can trust me. You need to show it. I'm pretty sure all of you can relate to that. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have a question for me, follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Myers Pod. That's D-R-M-E-Y-E-R-S-P-O-D. And send me a DM for a chance to get your question answered on the podcast. 
I've got some problems, yeah, I've got some questions. I need some help, point me in any direction. Clinical guidance is what I need to help me become who I'm meant to be. I've been searching for a teacher, another point of view. And I've been asking myself, what would Dr. Myers do?